So quick tip before Demasi gets in here. If you are looking at using clean feed, I highly, highly recommend setting a hotspot on the save all tracks together button. And then anywhere on Mac OS, if you press VO zero for me, and then VO space, I have a saved copy of the show. All right, so now I need a clean feed session. So we'll go blank. And the first thing I need to add to this is going to be blocks, application, paste, block, input device, oh, paste. Now I want to move this down here because it makes more sense to me, right? They're stacked on top of each other, which doesn't really matter. And I need two recorders, copy, and then paste, paste. So now there is a square here. You have application on the top left, recorder top right, input bottom left, Recorder bottom right. Now I don't need to monitor myself because I monitor myself in the Vocaster. So I need to add an output device because right now when I run this audio hijack session, audio is just going to the recorder. And if you listen to voiceover, it says recorder has one inputs wire and no output wires. So that means that it terminates with recording. And then we're going to go ahead and configure these devices in a moment. So I'm going to jump back over with uh, VO, right? I bet there's a faster way to get over here. I'm going to have to ask Demasi that. And I'm going to go output device. And I'm going to press right. So I'm on the top right corner. And I'm going to hit paste. And then tap right again. You hear that recorder has one input wire from and then it says one x one y and one output wire and then it says three x one y which means that the input is coming in from the application on the left into the recorder which we'll configure in a moment to the output device so you hear it so let's tap our right arrow key i'm going to press vo space on this ah ah but if you listen you hear and this tripped me up if you tap the right arrow key, it says output device has two inputs, one from recorder in position 2x, 1y, and one from recorder in position 2x, 2y, which is below the Microsoft Edge recorder. And honestly, this is where I kind of struggled with using audio hijacks. I'm like, well, what do you mean I gotta move these so the wires break themselves? So let me show you the magic that is in the latest version of audio hijack. If you go up to the session menu option, and then you go down to the option that says automatic connections, check, well, it'll say check mark automatic connections, uncheck that. And then use your up and down arrow keys like we've already talked about and we'll find the top right because now we have three going across. Uh, we have the application, we have recorder, and then we have output. And then on the second row, we have the input device, which is my microphone and then recorder. And right now on the output, it says that it has two inputs, one from recorder position 2x, 1y, and one from recorder 2x, 2y. But now if we press VO shift M, I think, 
Nope. We press VO right arrow. You hear input for output device socket, which is fine. Go ahead and ignore that. And quick side note, I'm going to finish recording this, but clean feed now tells you when someone joins, which is kind of cool. If you press VO right arrow, you'll hear recorder to output device in the positions. And the one you're looking for is the 2X, 2Y, and then we'll just press command backspace and command E to save. And then if we tap our left arrow key to go back to the recorder and then the right arrow button, we hear, we hear now that our output device only has one input wire. Hey, Demasi, how does it? What are you doing, man? What? I said, what are you doing? Uh, I am setting up and configuring audio hijack because I don't have a backup recording session. Ah. So, I gotta do the exact same thing. <laughs> that is amazing because I yeah, literally am about to do the same thing. And for listeners, we did not talk about this either before. We, I mean, we we've had discussions related to this, but not this specific topic. Yeah. So uh, I am not passing voiceover through. So I'm just telling people what I'm hearing. Right now I have a audio hijack session. So I went through and I renamed some of my sessions. And I, right now I have a audio hijack session that has across the top row the application, which I need to go set to Microsoft Edge, and I'll do that here in a minute, recorder, and then uh, output device on the top right. And then on the bottom, it's input device. So I'll set that to the vocaster. And then I actually have a preset for... Um, picking channel five so i don't have to mess with that so once you set that up just set that as a preset and then you don't have to go in and choose channel five whenever you're building your blocks and then to the right of that is a recorder both recorders so people know are by default going to record in mp3 so for me i the first thing i do is go in and change that to flack and yeah i'm gonna let you jump into mossy while i go exit the zoom room because they're having some distractions and it's distracting me <laughs> Uh, that's, that's what I was doing. How's, I, I haven't even done auto gain. I should have did that before I even started talking, but I'm like, Hey, I'm recording. So I will just start walking through this process because I realized I didn't have this set up. Oh, and then I showed, or I told people, if you go up to the session window, you can go down. Is there a keystroke to enable or to uncheck that? Um, okay. Okay, is there a shortcut to do what now? So when I first opened this session, right, um, I had to go up to session and then uncheck the automatic connections. Is there a keystroke to do that? Or uh, command E now lets me toggle between editing and not editing. Uh, there may be a shortcut. Or maybe it's a preference I have to go in and set. Uh, hold on. I'll tell you in a second. Um, command E will switch you into the mode where you're in manual connections at that point. But if you're creating a new session from scratch, when you right. hit the command in, mm -hmm. there is a manual wait. I think that may be an example of manual connections mode. I don't want to sample because then I got to delete all your stuff. Manual connections. Oh yeah, it does put a whole bunch of stuff in there for you though. So nope, just hitting command E will put you in the edit mode and that'll, that'll. But so I I go and I click on create I click on blank 
and it says untitled one because this is the second session I have. If I hit command E, it just dings at me. So what I have to do is I have to go up to session and then go down to now what's there that says on my end automatic connections check mark. And then I have to uncheck that uh, and then command E works for me. Gotcha. And it's a toggle. Okay, so no, there's probably not a shortcut for that there. You can make okay. one. Yeah. Does command E work for you on a brand new session or do you know? Nope, it does not. Okay. Okay. So that means I have to go to session. And there's not even like a, a key letter, a short letter key assigned to it. Yeah. So we could make a shortcut in system settings. And while Demasi is doing that, just so people know, so I can get this finished up and the, and he can jump in too. I went up to the applications uh, or the application that I had on, again, that top left, interacted with it pressed VO space on choose application. And then I went in and selected the application that I wanted. And I'm doing the same thing for the input device. I'm going to select a device and I want Vocaster one USB. And then I'm going to go down under presets and choose mic channel, which you will not have unless you set that up. Hey, you can move. You can now move things to the minus on the grid. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know you couldn't for a while. Um, I think that may be new with the with the manual connections though, because it's not a normal thing. Okay, so that manual connections is nice. Man, I love it. That's how I built our live stream session that I used to have that I did not save. <laughs> well, we need to go rebuild some servers, anyways. Yeah, so. I gotta rebuild the server. Gotta do some more stuff. On my so much stuff. Oh, I shared a t quick tip with people about setting if you're using clean feed and I, i'll start the show with that but if you're using clean feed yeah i'm gonna start the show with that because i gotta have a discussion with something with you uh i have to have a discussion about something with you on the show about last week's episode so remind me to get there there i got that out anyways i'm gonna go in and finish setting these to flack and setting these up and we can either edit this out or keep it in but i shared a tip with people on how if you're using clean feed on the Mac, you can set a hotspot to the save all button. And I know we've shared this with people in the past, but since I'm over here in audio hijack, if I'm thinking about it, I'm going to hit VO zero. And that takes me right to the save all tracks together. And I hit save and then it saves. So as soon as I'm thinking about it anywhere, when I'm in the OS, I can hit that VO zero keystroke. That is a good tip. Use those hotspots. I need to get more familiar with, spots in general like web spots yeah. sweet spots hot spots me too so another tip for um because i heard part of what you were saying about audio hijack so another tip for audio hijack when you're using this is um if you routinely like me are going in to change your recorder type so it's not a, a mp3 but a, a flag file is what you really should be using or wave but if you're going for higher quality audio um Configure that block and then save it as a preset. And that way you can always just, when you drop a new recorder block in, just switch to that preset and then make any changes that you may need to make uh, regarding like the name or the location, if that's a thing. But at least you have those default settings. And usually for me, what I do is like I will use the block name. So, for example, my application block here for me is actually going to be named, renamed to Michael. And my file 
tokens for the uh, for the file name that's being saved is going to include block name slash well hyphen date well date block name uh, whatever right so that way at least I can look at the date and then see the block name of the person that I was recording with so I know that's Michael's block and the the input device block I'm going to rename to Demasi so that has my name on it so now I see date and name of person and I don't have to once I configure those, you know, basic settings for a recorder block, I don't have to change anything because it's automatically going to just grab whatever the variable is from the block name. So if I rename a block, it's going to grab that block name and put it in along with the date token. And I do the reverse date or whatever the the correct date when you're dealing with files, <laughs> which is year, month, day uh, and- pattern. And for someone who doesn't pay attention, like I don't, because Demasi's probably told me this. I know Helpdex has told me this. If you're like, well, how do I get these token things? If you press VO Shift M on the edit field, the first option is insert token. And if I would have looked in there, I would have had all of my questions answered. And that's just the token, right? That doesn't put a space there. So if you need a space, you put the token in and then press space. Sometimes it puts a space, sometimes it doesn't. Okay, that that was just me. <laughs> no, it, it, it really depends on which one you drop in, and sometimes it'll put a space. And the way that I tend to name my files, because I hate spaces and file names, because when you upload it to like you know Wasabi or S3 or something, or even Dropbox, uh, you end up with those percent twenties for spaces, yes. and those are super annoying. So what I normally do is one, I will use title case if I'm just putting words, and I'll just so if it was you know Michael's recording, it would be capital M, capital R, right? But I'll run together. Uh, for the dates that I actually use, I do date, so it would be 2023 hyphen, and then the month, and then hyphen, and then the day, underscore, and then the name of the block. Gotcha. Now, everybody can do what they want to do as far as yep. you name your files. Uh, that's just the way I do mine, and partially because if I upload it, I hate those percent 20s because... One, it makes me it too. easier for me to consistently type out what a file name should be once it's in a cloud somewhere. And I forget, I always have to go look up the percent twenty for me. Although I've gotten better with it now that I've done it for so much, but I remember times of what was that percent code I have to look to add a space? And so yeah. Yeah, so I I try to avoid file name encoding if I can. Sometimes you can't. Uh, let me change this block name to Michael. Where is recording name, though? I don't see that one. Is that title tag? Hold on. I'll tell you when I get over there. Hmm. Okay, maybe I was manually putting your name in at the end of these. Then. Because I that would make sense. Pull from, yeah, because I don't, I don't see it. And title, I don't know where it's going to get the title from. I just put my year. That naming the recording thing, the, or the block thing, like I've just kept them as blocks, but now it's so much faster to navigate it. Mm-hmm. That's what I did with that. Um, the first time I used this, and, and this is new in Audio Hijack 4, so if you're still running Audio Hijack 3, you may want to upgrade. Uh, but uh, the first time I actually made use of them and saw how useful it was was when I was building our live stream session because I had like a ton of recorder blocks. I think they were like, in total, three recorders in there, uh, a couple of 
few applications. Like it was, it was a lot of stuff. So like I had to name them so I wouldn't have to try to keep track of where am I on the grid to see what's connected to what. It was just like, well, no, if I jump on this name, oh, that's the music application yeah. block, you know? Um, And it gets the title artist year from the tags tab, which is one of the tabs ah. uh, in here. So you can preset that information and then save it as a preset. Honestly, I go in and I change it from MP3 to FLAC every time that I don't know why I never thought about. Like, I have a preset for my input device, but I don't have a preset for my recording block. So uh, I, I did set that up because that's a good tip. And sometimes we get into our habits of doing the things the way we've done it for years and don't explore some of the newer features like scripting. I need to learn more about that. Chat GPT and I are going to become pretty good friends with audio hijack scripting. You have to tell me how it is with that. And I'll see if you play with that as well. So. Yeah. That, one of the first things I, I did um, once I realized I was constantly going to hear changing this was uh, save a preset. Because uh, everything is always flack, and it's like that's so many steps. So now I think what I have been doing is if I record and I'm using like this same session but a different person, I'll go in and change the name uh, at the end of my token. So it is month, it is year, month, day underscore, and then I can just edit the name right there. But also, if you want to make your life a little easier, you can you know drop in something like remote or or whatever there. Because looking at the date, and that's what's more important for me is the date, because I kind of know what days we record, or I know what date I recorded something roughly. So at least yeah. having that date in there, I always put the date in if I don't do anything else, because then at least I know for sure, like I can, I recorded this sometime in April. So I'm just going to look at April's dates, right? Versus which one of the 17 recordings that I didn't clean up in this audio hijack <laughs> folder is the one that I'm looking for. Black. All right, so we're good there. And I'm going to save this as a preset. And we're going to call it Black. Wait, I guess we ain't going to call it. Okay, there we go. So, so, Mossy, why are you resetting up your audio hijack? Man, so let me tell you about <laughs> this. Tell you about this. So, I did something. And I'm going to make a call back to what was it, like two, maybe three episodes ago where I, where I shared the tip that I got from Brett Turkville uh, about for those of us who use homebrew and you either have scripts or, or things like that that are looking for the older Intel location. So the big problem here is that with homebrew on Intel computers, uh, on Intel Macs, it would save your stuff to slash USR slash local slash bin. For Apple Silicon Max, it saves it to slash OPT slash homebrew slash bin. And that's where anytime you install like a, a formula versus a cask. So if you install PHP or uh, Git or FFmpeg or what's the thing Mark's using all the time, Pandoc, right? That's where that those are located. Now your apps, when you're installing what they call the cask, like a regular standard application, that goes to your applications folder. But everything else, you know, any kind of command line tools go into the bin folder. And just depends on which, you know, if you're on Apple Intel or if you're on Intel or Apple Silicon, where they go. Well, since the Apple Intel, since the Intel, because it's not Apple Intel, man, they get mad about that. Sorry, Intel. Uh, since 
uh, Intel Macs have been in in play for so long, and we're you know now in what like year three maybe of the transition to Apple Silicon. Many people, including myself, have scripts or people have written command line tools that are always going to look for stuff to be in that that local bin folder versus the new location that Homebrew is using. So Brett Turfter's tip, which I took advantage of, was to one copy everything out of the slash local bin folder from where uh stuff looks for that into your home the new homebrew bin directory that's on apple silicon and then symlink that directory to be the slash local slash bin folder so that let's say multi markdown is one of these tools that i have run into that looks for stuff in the, in the old location not the new homebrew location so when i would try to run something for multi markdown well it's in homebrew's new location uh under slash op but any scripts or anything are looking for it in the older location from Intel Max. So if you symlink those folders, then everything appears to be in the right place. And that worked great up until I decided I was going to take advantage of a new feature from 1Password and use 1Password <laughs> to authenticate and store um, API keys for different services that they have set up. So right now they have a few handful. The ones that are were relevant to me at the time were GitHub, uh, the Stripe command line tool, AWS, I believe, is also in there. I hadn't gotten around to that one. I had done GitHub and Stripe. Uh, and that's so that those keys are stored in one password is the way that this feature works. So you're not having, like, say, your Stripe CLI key or your uh, your AWS or GitHub or any other of those kind of keys on your actual disk. So again, it, it reduces, it, it's lessening more and more risk of somebody gaining access to your computer and being able to like, oh, well now I have Demasi's Stripe key. Uh, and if I was testing something in live mode or if I made a script to do something in live mode from my computer, well now that live key is on my disk, right? Which, with, with a live API key for Stripe, they should do anything. Including taking your money, right? So, <laughs> and I just wanted to check the feature out also. So when I set this up, the first problem I ran into was that apparently 1Password's uh, command line tool is smart enough to see that this is a sim link of where it expected things to be. And it's like, oh, well, this isn't going to work. So me being me, I'm like, well, hey, Brett's trick worked one way. Let me try it the other way. Let me move everything <laughs> out of the homebrew bin folder back to where it used to be Intel Max and then sim link it the other way. Well, that didn't work. Well, it kind of yeah. worked. The one password stuff worked, but then something else broke. <laughs> uh, there's a tool that I use called Valet it's from uh, the people at Laravel. Uh, so Laravel Valet. Uh, Laravel builds a Laravel is used to build a lot of the modern day web apps and SAS applications that you see nowadays. Uh, it's a PHP framework. Uh, but they make a uh, local development tool called Valet, super lightweight, you know, using Homebrew, and it actually relies on Homebrew. So it installs MySQL, uh, version of PHP, a couple other tools that you need. And it allows me to do things like go to your own pay.test when I'm doing local development on Microsite uh, and have that show up correctly. And also gives me the ability to share that, that local site on my computer across the internet and allow Michael to see it. We haven't done that yet, I don't think. I think I may have done it with a blind employment site some years ago, but <laughs> at any rate, it's a super lightweight development environment. So I'm not spinning up virtual machines to run Linux or any of that stuff. This gives me a nice lightweight environment that I can use for testing. Well, it couldn't find PHP. Like, I don't know where PHP is anymore. I'm like, it's right there. I type PHP and there's PHP where it's <laughs> supposed to be, but you can't find PHP. 
And then a few other things I noticed as I was poking around, like we're breaking. And I was like, okay, let me undo what I did. That's the first thing I tried to do. Like, okay, I did this thing. I'm going to undo that and go back to the way things were set up. Well, that still didn't fix the problem. What I did not consider, and I implore anybody, keep this on your mind. On Mac OS, you do have things called snapshots. What I should have done was attempted to grab a snapshot from before I started mucking about with stuff with this 1Password command line tool. And I blame this on myself. Like I don't blame it on 1Password. It's completely the way I chose to try to solve the problem. But I should have looked for a snapshot and tried to roll, revert back to that version of macOS or that version of my computer in macOS before I started mucking about. And that probably would have fixed it. But I didn't think about that until about two, you know, twelve thirty last night after I had wiped the computer and was in the process of rebuilding <laughs> it. So it didn't make a difference at that point. So my solution, as as is understood now, was to uh, reset the entire computer. Sometimes you just need to do that, though. I, mean, I, I was kind of feeling like I needed to do it anyway because there was some other kind of weird, you know, things going on. And again, I, I always endeavor whenever I wipe a device to say, okay, this time I'm not going to do a lot of goofy stuff. Like no more of this, you know, and, and this time I'm really going to stick to that because I've already created a second user account for two reasons. I'm going to create a third user account. It's going to be called just testing. But I have a troubleshooter account set up now. So that when stuff goes weird on my side, I can go log into that account with the basic voiceover settings, the basic whatever, and see, like, is this a system issue or is this a I have screwed up my environment situation? Uh, I will say, even though we've talked about it before, using a boot file, I did not use my boot file because um, occasionally, as Michael has demonstrated on the show, somebody tells you about a cool thing and you just start typing brew install, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> It's like, I'm not even using this thing. Uh-huh. So I didn't do that. I am looking at my brew file and pulling in things that I need. And actually what I've been doing is editing it down. Uh, but first I had to get the basics installed, which included, you know, uh, some applications. I installed specific applications. Uh, launch bar came very late in this process, by the way. Like, it was not huh. the earliest. Not one of the earlier applications. That's interesting. I mean, it's there now, but I literally just installed it like after I sent you the message to to text me the clean feed link because I I hadn't set up email yet because I got to go get a profile from uh, uh, Fastmail to set up my email. Ah. Uh, so I was like, oh, yeah, let me put in launch bar because I keep wanting to hit command space, but I know it's not going to do anything because I know I have not installed launch bar yet. So that is my story with why I reset my computer. Mm. And during that story that Demasi shared with us, because I've heard it before, I will be fully transparent and sent an invoice in Stripe. And that's how easy it is to go to invoice.new and send an invoice. <laughs> so an uh, even easier way, especially if you're sending somebody like a flat rate, uh, there's a tip for anybody using Stripe. So payments in Stripe are a, a, an amazing thing because it's it's invoices in the way that most people think of them, which is I need to pick the customers going to, I need to put yep. in an amount that they're going to pay me, and then in the description, tell them what they're paying me for. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing that, use payments in Stripe uh, because you don't have to create a product for this one-off thing for this customer. Like, oh, I did all of this stuff and it cost $750. Uh, I have to make a product if I go through the regular invoicing system. Well, So that's if, interesting you bring that up because 
I've wanted products and I haven't been able to figure out how to get a product to come up. So every time I go to invoice.new and I tap and I tab into it and I put in the clients, I put in the first three letters of their email address usually and I hit enter. It says for some parts of the dashboard you need to log in. So I log in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I tab into the item field, I think it is, and uh, I type in podcast and my expectation is if I tab from there, then it would fill in coaching and put in the price uh, $45. And I don't get that. It gives me podcast and then one item with 0.00. So every time I go in and I type podcast coaching, two words, one for $45, which isn't a problem because, I mean, uh, I'm going to spend that 30 seconds to type that. But, of course, I'd like to automate that aspect if possible. So am I creating a new item and am I going to have a million called podcast coaching, do you know? Uh, possibly, possibly. Okay. Uh, it depends on whether or not you save it or not. Usually, so usually if you're just doing just oh. a standard invoice and you type it in and then you type in the amount, that's not saving a new product unless you hit, unless you're in that interface where it's like add a new product and then there's a save and save and create another oh, one. Okay. Screen. So, so the only place I hit save is I'll either hit, so like this one, I typed in, you know, podcast coaching, put in the amount and that it's the quantity is one. Then I hit save and new, added another item, hit save and new, added the other item, and then I hit save. And that added the three products to the invoice. But that's not actually creating the invoice. That's just adding those line items in. Yeah. You th- typically. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like Stripe. Stripe is awesome. Like. Yeah, Stripe has been amazing, but I think, and let me jump over here. Oh, nope. Oh, nope, nope. Okay, it did work. Uh, autocorrect must have got in my way the first time. So, uh, payments.new. Ah, okay. We'll take you there as well. So, and, and to, you know, break this, to go over this a little bit more. So, the difference in a payment inside of Stripe versus creating a new invoice inside of Stripe is a payment is going to give you the ability to do, uh, you know, enter the customer's information, their email address, et cetera. If they're already in your database, you can search and find them. Uh, and then type in a manual price. Um, so for me, that's a lot of what I am doing because my prices are tinted, you know, in a lot of cases for uh, consulting or for uh, any kind of WordPress development work are custom to what that customer needed. However, if you're in a situation where Michael is, where he has a a routine price for doing specific work, then you want to create a new invoice because that would allow you to pull from your database of products and just have that pre-populated with the price. And then you put in the number of, of, um, you know, items that they're purchasing. So, you know, for me, sometimes that's hours. If I'm billing somebody at an hourly late rate, which I hate, by the way, but <laughs> I still have to do it for some people. So for those, I will create a new invoice, right? And then I will just, you know, type in the, the product name. I hit down arrow. I still have not taken the time to try to show Stripe like, hey, this is sort of kind of not working as good for me with a screen reader to pick the product. Uh, but if you only have one product with this name, hitting down arrow once and then hitting return, typically we'll have that populated and you just drop in the number of times that you need to bill for that thing and then you're done. So some billing somebody for seven hours, you know, I'll type in number seven and you see the numbers change. Pretty straightforward when it comes to that. Now, the problem is that if you have a ton of products or you have a product with several variations, let's take Termageddon for me, for example, right? So Termageddon has a monthly 
uh, variation, has an annual variation, and it has an optional add-on for setup if I'm doing a setup for you. Mm. That gets a little aggravating. <laughs> but just trying I, to set it up? or just, just trying to select the product if I'm doing a, like, create new invoice for customer, and then I'm trying to select that product. I can type Termageddon. Uh, and the one part of the problem is I don't always remember exactly how I phrased uh-huh. the thing. Yep. So was it monthly Termageddon or Termageddon monthly? I don't know. So I type Termageddon and then I hit down arrow, I hit return. Nope, that's the annual one. Delete uh-huh. that product. Go back. Okay. <laughs> Termageddon down arrow two times. Damn it, it put me on the annual one again. Okay. Yeah, it didn't select that second one. Oh, maybe that first down arrow is just the auto one. And you got to just keep trying just it because that information isn't uh-huh. read. Right, yeah. and that's the yeah. Have you tried it on Windows? I have now that not, you have a Windows setup, because I, I have, have not, not. I don't remember. I have not tried it on Windows. I am going to try it on Windows, and that is going to start to become my standard thing too. Once I set Parallels back up, man, that's going to be a pain. But <laughs> maybe they will remember, and I won't have to. Nope, I'm going to have to do it anyway. Oh well. Chrome Remote Desktop. If you are uh, a Ira customer and you don't want to install TeamViewer. Because like me, it makes you feel weird to have TeamViewer installed for the random occasion I may need it. Chrome is just installed. And quick side note, because it's public, if you need to remotely control someone else's computer, check out Remote Incident Manager on Mac and Windows on beta on Mac. Super yep, exciting it is about beta that. On public beta on Mac, man. Like that yeah. is going to be a game changer. And I, I have used that tool so much, man. Like I'm, I, yeah, it is awesome. I, I love it. I, I love it. it, it is changed what my business is going to be able to provide uh side note i do not have vocaster hub installed uh but i did uh, i was able to do do you see all your channels or does vocaster hub make voiceover nope. come through nope i see my channel because you don't hear voiceover right no nope yeah, so did you configure it. your loopback device i did I oh did. okay i had okay. to do that yeah i had, had to do that that, that was yeah. uh I'm still annoyed <clears throat> by this whole little dance. So, like, can we please get this fixed, Apple, so I don't have to keep doing this? Like, this is just ridiculous, man. Did, Rogue Amoeba been making software since 2002. Like, can can we stop the Right, just, just just work with them. Uh, I got a question for you about that process. Uh, did you think more about what you texted me, and do we want to offer it to listeners? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... I'm fine with that. Like I'm, I'm okay. perfectly fine with that. Uh, well, let's tell. Go ahead and share that with them, and then I will ask you the question that I already forgot, but I'll try to remember. All right. So <laughs> we talked, and we're, we're supposed to talk about it some more this show for sure. Uh, GPT in general, uh, but the augmented intelligence software uh, for sure, because I like Michael's phrase that he hijacked from somebody else versus. It's all it's 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 whatever AI is supposed to stand for. Uh, artificial anyway. intelligence. Yeah, artificial intelligence. It's not really intelligent. It's just building off of a model. Like, let's stop the madness. Anyway, I got Mallory to play with Bard yesterday. Ah, what did she think? <laughs> she had it look her up, and she had it look up Elise. So Elise is the same age as 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 Mallory is. And it said that Elise got her doctorate in nine or got her uh, a bachelor's in ninety eight, and so she would have been like eleven when she got her bachelor's. Yeah, 
was not the best example to lo- have her look at for the first time. And then I told her, I said, send me the prompt and I need to have her see if she can get that for me that you gave it because I want to send that to Bing and then send you the results of Bing. But anyways, back to what you were saying. So, um, but another app that we've been using that I have been using and got Michael onto and that is out there is Whisper. Um, so Whisper is a actual piece of software. Michael's been using it for a long time because he runs stuff through Alphonic and Alphonic connects to Whisper. Whisper is uh, a, another alternative for converting audio into text. You feed it audio file, it'll give you text back. Um, there's a tool called Mac whisper because before now or before i would say in the past couple of months the only way to use whisper on the mac and it can be run locally so you're not sending your stuff off to a cloud which is one of the things that have made it so enticing to a lot of people because you're not worried about what are these people doing with my audio besides transcribing it uh you could run whisper but you have to type in some terminal commands and do some stuff and like even i really kind of didn't want to keep doing it so mac whisper is a application that was released uh, it is free to download that you can drop an audio file onto. Mike's been using drag and drop or there's an open button or, you know, however you want to get the file into there. And then we'll take that file and convert it to text. The pro version comes with more of the models. So some more accurate, uh, more accurate models when it comes to transcribing the audio to text. Um, and I paid for a pro license. First, I paid for a pro license. I was like, oh, yeah, it works. I downloaded it. It was accessible. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just give the guy some money. Like, it's a great tool. And I didn't have to sit here and try to build it with, you know, a combination of hackery and chat GPT to, to make my own interface on the Mac for this. So, yay, 17 bucks, man, you can have that. Uh, but then after that, I went and bought a five-pack of licenses because I wanted to give Mike one so he would have one to start doing stuff locally. We could start playing around with this. So that means I have a free license hanging out here that is not tied to anything at the moment. And I'm going to give it away to the first person that can give me the five first things that I installed on my Mac after getting it set back up. We're not counting like iCloud crap that runs in the background or anything like that. Uh, We're counting things that I manually had to go out in some form or fashion and install on my Mac. Now, this can include, and I, I, I will give you if you can give me five of the first ten things I install, I'll, I'll yeah, we'll yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Because that that five is maybe a little tight. So if you yeah. give me five out of the first ten things that I install on my Mac after getting it set back up, uh, I will give you a free license for Mac Whisper. Um, now send an email to tw at yourownpay.com. Send an email to tw at yourownpay.com with your guess, and the first person that gets it will get the prize. Now. Just so we kind of set the rules here. Um, obviously, I can't participate. Mike can't participate. Uh, so that let's get that out of the way. Let's say it, though, so people don't be like, oh, well, Michael's just <laughs> right. going to tell his wife so she can do it. Like, no, that's not going to happen. We're not doing fam- – all family and, and close friends, all family members are excluded from this contest or whatever that, you know, stuff you see at the bottom of the thing. Also, um, this doesn't this, – this is not restricted to applications. So think command line tools if you happen to be a developer or if you've been listening to me run my mouth on the, on, a, on a podcast for a long time, you probably have some guesses uh, that will probably help you get to that five a whole lot quicker. So this can include applications. This can include command line tools. This can include, uh, well, I guess that's it. 
because I don't have any, uh, yeah, there's nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And he's giving you some hints already in this show about what he doesn't have installed. So consider that as well or what he just installed. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so what I, I, I don't honestly remember what I was going to say, but so I know what I want to say. Okay. You told me that you set up a stereo pair with Siri <laughs> with your home pod. Yes. And you also didn't tell Mallory. Yes. So the first question I have is like, what prompt did you do this just to like, see how it works? Or is this something that you think you wanted to do because you're like, I just want to have a stereo pair and this is how I'm going to use them. Okay. So for the longest time, people who have talked with me know that I picked up two HomePod minis for pretty much the price of one, which is pretty cool. They were used and it's been a great thing. Side note, look at the used market because that can save you some money, especially if you want to play with slightly newer tech and, you know, people have tried it out and they maybe missed that return window. So I just, I've had one of them sitting here on my desk to the left. And yesterday, Mallory and I stayed up listening to old music like DMX and, uh, you know, just, just Linkin Park. And uh, I, I, I think Reba was in there. And anyways, there was a lot of just older music that we were listening to. And she started to use the HomePod a little bit. I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool, whatever. But then I woke up this morning. I said, what would that have sounded like if I had both of the HomePods in? And how could I get that other HomePod from the dining room into the bedroom? And I found a place on top of the safe on her side of the bed. And I went and plugged it in. And then uh, actually, as soon as I went into the Home app and I found the HomePod in the dining room and I tapped on the room name and I moved it over to the um, bedroom, it asked me if I wanted to make a stereo pair. And I hit yes. And then it was a stereo pair. Now, what prompted this is I have a birthday coming up, and I think Mallory's trying to figure out birthday ideas, too. But um, we were talking about Sonos and the new Sonos Eris 300 that came out. I don't know if you've seen this, but she looked it up, and it looks pretty cool. It's like $500, so it's not a cheap thing, but it's, you know, look at that or look at a actual HomePod and... So we were kind of playing with the HomePod yesterday to see. Uh, and the the heiress translated into her looking at the Sonos 5. And the Sonos 5 has a line in. And she saw that they have a record player. And she asked if I had an interest in, like, vinyls and collecting them. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, first of all, my mind went, have you ever seen me collect a vinyl in the how long we've we been together uh, time frame? But secondly, I'm like, no, that would take up too much room. She's like, no, they wouldn't. And I think it would be kind of cool. So then she went to musician's friend and clicked on vinyls and started uh, that's where we got the music and she just started randomly shouting out different <laughs> artists and albums to, <laughs> and she wouldn't talk to siri like that's the weird thing she wouldn't talk to siri so she's like tell it to play this tell it to play that so ultimately <laughs> we'll see if she's listening but maybe she'll start talking to siri herself and i won't have to tell it to play things man uh, but I am going to connect them to the Apple TV, too. So we have a 65-inch um, TV mounted on the bedroom wall. I think that's the size of it. And we're using the speakers in that. And it looks like being able to pair a stereo pair, um, all you have to do is get the TV, uh, go into the TV, and choose the HomePods if everything's in the same room. 
I don't see any of my freaking Apple TVs in the home that the HomePods are in. So I got to figure out where they are and then move their homes possibly. Uh got to rehome my Apple TVs so I can pair them up and then supposedly and I, I struggle to believe this, but supposedly there isn't any problems with getting things connected. So when you turn your Apple TV on, once you set it up, it's going to always use the HomePod. We'll see because it is the Apple ecosystem, so it might work. But I'm very skeptical because I've never had good luck with wireless speaker systems. I hear that that works fairly well. I, I haven't, of course, I haven't tried it myself because I have not bought any HomePods yet. Maybe we'll send you one. Maybe I'll find some more used ones and buy one and just mail it to you. But uh, I did buy some other stuff, though. Yeah. So Tia is at the moment, well, not right at this particular moment, but she is in the process of trying out a 360 uh, action cam. Okay, okay. The reason I purchased this camera, so I partially purchased it because, um, well, because I just like buying crap, basically. It's like, oh, let's try this thing out. So now I've heard a, heard a lot of people uh, talking about this camera and how good it is. But what really sold me on it was listening to a guy talk about it on MacBreak. Uh, that that same guy sent you the link for Doc Rock with the with the mobile travel uh, gear. Yeah, so that kit. Yeah, so he was talking about how he took this camera with him on a trip to to Japan and how he used it or whatever. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, so I was like, well, I'll buy it for Tia because oftentimes when the kids have things going on, whether it's, you know, a, a program at school that they're participating in or, you know, like the field trips they got coming up. It's like she wants to capture that, like record that or whatever. But if I give her a dedicated camera for that, number one, she can put it on the end of a selfie stick or, or whatever and hold it up. And the 360 means she can grab everything and then just edit what she wants to keep later is the idea. So. I got the Insta360 X3. Uh, I was watching it for a little while, and I finally I caught a nice little deal on it where I got the camera, uh, extra battery, a fast battery charger, and a, uh invisible selfie stick. Uh, so you just screw it on, screw the camera onto the end of the stick, and it telescopes up pretty high. So she's trying that out. Now, on their website, they say that this camera can also be used as a webcam. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I went to Reddit. Thank you. See, Reddit helps out sometimes, too. It's not just a time <laughs> stuff. And people are still really, really mad that uh, they have not released this feature yet uh, for this camera. One, uh, I've seen a handful of people that are like, I only really bought this because I thought it would do this, too. Like, you know, mm. I, I wouldn't have bought mm. this camera specifically if I would have, but that is a lesson learned is never buy a P and I didn't do this, but I'm just generally speaking, never buy technology based off what even the manufacturers say it may do or will do at some point in the future. Buy for what it does at the time that you buy it. Don't buy it with the promise of new features coming because those new features may never come. So anyway, she's been trying that out. It's, it's been interesting from an accessibility standpoint. Uh, there's an app that you can pair with the camera to your phone. Uh, and it has some functionality, but to me, I think that a lot of the functionality is going to be on the camera, which has a touchscreen. Not as accessible as I would have liked it to be. Yeah. Uh, I, still but... do, I still do have time to send it back. But also, like, I, I didn't buy it for me either. Uh, so for her, Mia has a trip coming up to some, some I think it's the Indian uh, burial mounds here. This Thursday coming up. 
So they're going to try it out there and see how it works. One concern that I have, though, is this camera gets super hot, like super hot. So I'm like, we'll, we'll see how it works when you're carrying it around for like a whole day, actually trying to record a lot of footage. And if it, you know, does that whole thing, there was a Sony camera, I think it was. There was a camera. I'm not going to bash Sony unnecessarily. There was a camera that was like more of a, a you know, mirrorless type video slash photo camera that you would buy uh, out a couple of years ago. And the main knock against it was that it would overheat and shut down. Uh, I think it was an early 4K or early 6K camera uh, from one of the camera companies. And people loved that camera, except that it would overheat and shut down, like well before you were anywhere near filling up the the SD card that it would support, you know, size SD card that it would support. So I'm a little concerned that that may be the case with this camera here too. We'll see. Uh, but it's interesting technology. And also, as I told her, like if I if we end up keeping it and I have to finish paying it off, it does open the conversation about, for me at least, one, you know, contacting this company, which you know, from the way Reddit looks, they're not going to be super responsive. But keeping an eye on other companies that make these type of cameras because with where augmented intel intelligence is going and things like the Be My Eyes demos that we've both heard and that probably everybody else has heard at this point, there is a probability at some point in the future that capturing good footage with a camera, uh, with a video camera as a blind person could be doable. And I'm interested in that. So I at least want to be aware of kind of like how things work and what's going on with it and where, where are the other areas of improvement besides just like, you know, telling me that I have a, you know, 12 year old running through a camera shot, like, <laughs> you know, Maybe, maybe, you know, have the actual camera be able to talk. Like, so if I got to navigate the touchscreen, I can do that or put more of your controls into an app, which that may exist. But just an interesting thing I picked up. So let's talk about Chat GPT. What's that? Never heard of it. Man, people probably tired of hearing about it. And we're not going to do what everybody else is doing, just randomly talk about, oh, it's so cool and it's awesome. The reason I wanted to bring it up is because we're both using it, like, in our day-to-day -day work, day-to-day <laughs> lives, right? So I want to talk about how we're using it, uh, what are the ways we have found it useful for us just in general, and then the uh, different ways that we're actually accessing the back end for ChatGPT as well because we're, we're both using a couple of different means besides going to chat.openai.com which I actually haven't been there in a while. I'm pretty sure I'm logged out. Right. <laughs> uh, so JJ was looking at an email that I sent to someone and he goes, chat GPT did a pretty good job at that. The only thing I would have changed is this. And I wrote back and I said, that's funny. That's what I changed from what it originally put because I'm used to reading it from a different organization I read, I work with. So yeah, that was a funny email exchange we had, and then it got us into the conversation about language and terminology and stuff. So fun, fun times what ChatGPT can do. But the point is, is I got the email sent out versus sitting here pondering how am I going to get, how am I going to word this to be able to make this happen? I got the details I needed, uh, put together a a prompt, and here's the important thing that I've been telling people, and I hope someone's listening. I know Demasi is is. 
if you're more detailed with what you want, the better response you're going to get is. It was best described to me, and I forget who told me, maybe Demasi knows, uh, how these systems work. And I like to know the, the how, like what, do you, what are you doing to put this together to make this work? And uh, how this works is pretty much you, you start typing, and it, it starts with one word and autofills that all the way down, but is able to quickly determine does the next word make grammatical sense versus the random words that your phone thinks, oh, this person's going to type this, but maybe there's some words between the word that you currently type and the word that the phone is predicting and it doesn't actually think about that. Uh, and the AI is now at the point where it can. And so what I'm doing is I'm sending a lot of information into it uh, and, and it's having transcripts of audio content is amazing because I can go record content with someone, get a transcript of it, and then tell chat GPT, make me a blog post, summarize this blog post for a newsletter that I'm putting together. And then I take all those details and I save them in drafts. So now I'm actually being consistent with the Sunday newsletters. Uh, I think I've I've either done three or four of them and anyone who's followed any of the podcasts, I got to call my own self out knows that I don't consistently do things. I'll do it for a week, maybe a two weeks, and then I'll get bored with it. And I think chat GPT is helping with the parts that I struggle with. So I'm like, you know, I can go do something else I'm better at, or I enjoy doing. And so now, uh, Demasi, how are you using chat GPT yourself? And, how do you interface with it? Because you mentioned you don't go to the website. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of what you're doing, which is uh, using it to compose emails. And for me, this is not out of laziness. Like you said, it's more or less I know myself well enough that oftentimes emails don't get sent or I'm not happy with what I sent or they get delayed in getting sent because I am trying to get the wording and the tone correct. And I'm not a creative writer. So ChatGPT has been immensely helpful to me in just being able to craft out in plain English what I want to say, but the emails don't come across so brusque and gruff or, you know, harsh or whatever, right? And there's been a few times, honestly, that I've dropped in like, I'm ticked. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, write well this. And then ChatGPT will come back, well, it's always good to keep a blah, 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 and here's what you should say, right? And I usually take that, tweak it a little bit, you know, so it doesn't sound so, you know, because sometimes it does come back sounding a little form letter-ish, uh, but it gives me a good starting point for editing out, uh, editing up a nice email, whether it's an introduction or response or whatever. I had that with a customer that wanted to cancel a service the other day, and I didn't like a comment they made in their response, but using chat B, chat GPT and crafting a good prompt into chat GPT got me a really nice response back out that didn't really necessarily, I don't know if it expressed to them on their end, my displeasure with one of the comments that they made, but it did point out like, you know, it, it kind of handled it in a way that I felt was good without making a huge deal out of it. Uh, other things I've been doing is using it to uh, generate some some snippets of code here and there for stuff. Uh, actually, I solved a problem a couple of weeks ago because I couldn't find what I was looking for. So I dropped in some code that I had written for CSS for Gravity Forms. I was like, hey, make this apply to all forms on the website instead of just this one form. And it spit back out the appropriate code. And I sent it to Michael like, okay, check that, see if it works. And it worked, so we were good. 
Uh, and this was all done on a staging site, so no nobody broke anything on the live environment. It's like, oh, let's just shot this random code from this 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 uh, computer and see what it does. <laughs> uh, so I've been using it. It's for It's like a he lot. knows me. <laughs> well, that was more for the customers. I mean, the listeners. <laughs> uh, like, no, like don't don't just do it on a on a live site. But I've been using that. Uh, I've had it generate a little JavaScript here and there. There's an Apple script that I was working on with Todoist that I didn't quite get working, but I also don't know Apple script well enough to figure out what's wrong with it. Uh, one thing that Michael has told me that I've started to do more too is like when I get something back out that is code that doesn't work, uh, put it back in with the error and be like, hey, can you fix this? That works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Chat GPT 4. Uh, which I do have access to in the web interface is a little, a, a lot better, not a little, a lot better at handling code uh, than 3.5 was. The ways that I'm actually interfacing with it now are from the same developer of Mac Whisper, Mac GPT, which puts a menu bar item up there for chat GPT, uh, but you can also set up a global shortcut, which is what I've done, and I can start typing in that, that prompt window, or you can configure it also, or and, not or, and you can configure it to be an inline uh, prompt. So if you, for me, it's slash GPT, and then I type a prompt, and I hit shift return, and a few seconds later, I get back whatever chat GPT has given me. And the only downside to that is um, it doesn't erase my prompt automatically, so I have to go kind of edit that out or delete that out. But I've used that to drop in stuff in a lot of places. Um, I wrote an email to Desiree the other day, and I just took my thoughts and through, and that's one of the main things that it's done for me is, like, I don't have to bounce my thoughts off people so much and take up their time. I can come up with what my thoughts are, like, hey, this is what I want to do, or this is how I'm thinking about this project. Throw it in the chat GPT, craft a decent prompt of, like, what I wanted to give me back out of that, and then there are my thoughts in a more concise manner. So something you could say in the previous example is, I'm pretty pissed off. Write a positive and encouraging email with a friendly tone to customer's name from you. Thank them for allowing you to work with them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hit shift enter. And then that fills it out the email. And then you go and you edit it. Uh, sometimes you, if you don't tell it to give you a subject line, it's not going to give you a subject line. So if you really want to do that, then, then you can do that. I always tweak the information it gives me because it's never perfect, but it definitely is a good starting point. It's a lot better than just a blank edit field. And quick tip with that slash GPT, if you're on the Mac, which you have to be, or uh, by default, I think it's plus GPT, Demasi may have said that, um, you can, because you're typing in your prompt, you can do your prompt in drafts, which is where I do mine. And then if it gives you something you really like or something you want to go back and, and modify maybe later, like I have a lot of marketing ideas for Unmute and the content that we have coming up on Unmute, including... Well, when you're hearing this tomorrow, actually, you can come listen to Envision America talk about script talk and how you can get your prescription medication information in an accessible format that works best for you. But I have all these tweets here. I have uh, some blog posts that I'm like, hey, I should post these. Um, that's the other thing is, is actually like there's so much content that I can produce that I need to figure out a strategy now. 
maybe I'll work with chat GPT to say, Hey, how can I promote these on these different channels? Cause I can use AI to have some of the content read out loud too. It's a very, very, uh, very scary point that we're at right now, because I told Mallory yesterday, I'm like, this is someone else said, this is the worst it's ever going to be. Like she goes, what do you mean? It's the worst it's ever going to be. I'm like, we're just getting like, they've been doing research into this and now it's out in the public. So it's just going to improve or I guess get worse. But like, this is, yeah, this is the worst it's ever going to be. Yeah. Think of AOL days now internet days. Like, yeah. Yeah. And and for me, like, I know a lot of people are worried about jobs. I honestly, I mean, I can see some jobs going away, but there's automated machines that are taking jobs away. Yeah. Too. So that that's, that's yeah. always going to be a thing that moves people forward. What I think you need to do and what I'm doing here is like, I don't think this is going to knock me out of the little consulting business that I'm running because people can just type in the chat GPT. Like, that's not going to be a thing because here's one of the most important parts of all of this to me and why I'm comfortable using chat GPT. Now, admittedly, it could have possibly negated the need for me to hire a virtual assistant before I need a virtual assistant, if that makes sense. So like there's probably five or gigs that I may have done that I will no longer go, but I've never done one either. So, you know, nobody's missing anything for me at this point because I hadn't <laughs> done it. Uh, and I may not have done it because, you know, I got to do a little research uh, into Fiverr and how that works and all of that. But yeah, don't get me started on Fiverr. For me, the big thing is like as a small business owner, this has allowed me to be more professional in my responses, uh, not spend time or not ignore people's emails or delay. No, I don't say ignore, delay responding to people uh, because I needed to get the phrasing right or, you know, in the off case, this doesn't happen too often to me, but it has a few times where like I just walk away from the computer because I'm like, if I type anything right now, it's going to be angry. Like, doesn't happen too often, but it does. Uh, so it, it's helped me with composing emails. It's helped me with coming up with ideas or solutions to problems or, you know, I've written this snippet of code that I was trying out. Let's, I've written, you know, some code. Let me put run it through chat GPT to see you know, what the errors are, what the suggestions are for fixing this. And again, being able to craft a good prompt is a talent. Like there are people that are going to be great at it. There are going to be people who are not good at it. Uh, but for me, it has definitely become a, and I told Michael this, I think a couple of days ago, like 20 bucks a month for a virtual assistant is the best deal I'm ever going to get. So uh, we need to follow up with this. And Demasi, I don't have a solution. I don't expect you to have a solution, but I we need to follow up with how we're going to follow up with things, first of all. And secondly, we're supposed to do a word doc or something. Yeah. Do we want to do word or do we just want to get a Google doc or do we want to put follow up items in Todoist or do we just want to make a shared draft? Oh wait, you can't share drafts. You can't share. See, man, that would be a killer feature. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. yeah if I you like could that. like set a, a workspace up that, all of those drafts instead of being stored in a draft database. And I would even give up losing some, some, some capabilities with actions there. If I could just have a draft, some drafts that were stored in plain text or markdown on a drive, like in, in say iCloud or something like that, that you could access. That would be awesome. Well, uh, start crafting a prompt prompt to chat GPT and see if it can help with some automation of that. Cause you're, I, I forget that workspaces are a thing. So you could set up a workspace that might, do so, something similar. Nope. The only way no. to really accomplish that at the moment is like you export the file out of drafts. 
so that it's on the disc. But then when you go edit the file, like I don't see that you edit. I gotta open it up in TextMate at that point, yeah. or bring it back into like yeah. It's it's not a smooth situation. Now what we could do, but we don't have the ability to kind of do the whole. I'm willing to try Word because you said Word online is good, so I, I, I will try that. We can try that as a solution. Uh, that hey, also Chat GPT build me a Mac based application that has an edit field that allows me and one other person to collaborate on it and build it in Swift using native UI code. <laughs> <laughs> we'll follow up on that follow up. <laughs> we were talking about this microphone last week. So to follow up on that, the, what is it? The sure. SM7B. No, not the SM7B. MV7. Ah. Uh, so I chatted with with friend of the show Marty about this microphone a bit, and Marty loves it for XLR for you know in the XLR connection mode because at that point it's just a a, a dumb XLR microphone. Uh, so everything works great. He's like it does cancel out a lot of background noise. Like really, really makes his room sound not so echoey and boomy or whatever. Yeah. However, yeah, the mode that I was interested in it for was the USB mode because I was thinking of making it my new travel microphone. Well, apparently there are touch panels on this microphone for adjusting like the gain and mute and all this sort of stuff. I still may at some point pick up one so I can look at it myself because there's no, nothing for me at least. There's not a shot at Marty or a shot at anybody else. But for me, nothing beats hands-on experience. Uh, yeah. And he yeah. didn't make it sound terrible enough that it's like, okay, I'll just stay away from it. It's just like it can be a little problematic. But Marty may fiddle with stuff more than I do. Like, once I get it set, like, I'm good. You know, plug it up, get the thing going, open up Audio Hijack so I can hear myself real quick. Like, oh, okay, everything's great. All right, we're good. Uh, but uh, right now is not a not a priority for me. I have been looking at travel gear, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, you know, be able to not necessarily equal my environment when I'm traveling, but give me sort of the same, you know, comfort. So, for example, um, I do have a, a travel microphone stand um, that I can use. I can put the put the AT AT two thousand five up on a tripod that is adjustable, height adjustable. So if I'm recording on the go, you know I have that available. Uh, I've been looking at a tripod for a webcam. I do still have the phone thing. I have not had good luck with. Uh, and it could just be I need to do a bunch of updates on my Pixel because I hadn't touched it in a uh, while. Uh, yeah. But I've not gotten the Pixel to work as reliably for me on the Mac with camo as the iPhone is. But I'm also at a point where I don't have a spare iPhone that's, you know, quality enough to be a webcam. And I don't want to keep putting my phone up there because, you know, that that, that creates other problems. Do, where, like, um, how much is camo, do you know? Do you have an affiliate link or not? I I know you've answered the uh, question. I do not have an affiliate link for Camo. Camo. So actually, they have a new plan out. I think they have a five dollar a month plan. If you just want to, you know, if you just want to pay for it for a short time, or you want to see what the pro features are like without really over committing. Okay. I'm gonna go check uh, it, this out because I I have had finickiness with continuity camera, um, and and I. I've gotten to the habit where I start messing with my camera because for those who don't know when I'm on, on video, I'm just using a iPhone 12 camera 
in a tripod that has a light ring around it, which I need to also investigate why that went out in the middle of the show yesterday or last week. But, or no, it wasn't on there. It was right before. Anyways, so I start at about 8 9 o'clock in the morning, and we don't go live till 11, messing with. Uh, video and zoom trying to get it to come up and trying to get centered head by the way that centered head app is amazing um and it's not working it's not reliable so i'm gonna go pick up camo and try that ah okay so wait was not working or was not reliable centered uh, head or the iphone's not showing up as a video as a camera all the time ah yeah so that that's kind of been my experience through playing around with continuity camera now you know, later on, I'll have a spare iPhone. But right now, throwing my iPhone up there, the problem that it creates for me is like, if let's say me and you were, or let's say I was going to guest on AMI on Monday, right. right? Yep. And so I take my phone and I set it up as the camera and all of that. And something's not working the way it should in some way. Or, or, or Mike mm-hmm. needs to call me to tell me that like, hey, actually this is going on or hey actually here's a new link did you get that link because i'm probably going to be in you know focus mode at that point or something right. right mike can break through in that focus mode but now my phone's sitting up there on the thing so mm. i gotta get the phone down to try to answer the call because i'm not going to answer a facetime call on the mac when we're supposed <laughs> to be doing audio because that's going to stomp on everything so we're not doing that you ain't going to know what's going on anywhere then uh, well you'll know what's going on on facetime <laughs> yeah maybe yeah, maybe uh, if things don't break. So there's that concern uh, with it. Now, if I, you know, in your case, I think it's a good solution because you do have a spare phone that is not your yep. your, your daily use phone, right? So it, it's not being tied up in that way. And Camo is a pretty good app. Centered Head for me has been a little kind of, like it works. It, it absolutely works. Uh, but occasionally I will have to close it and like reopen yeah. it or something like that. Cause it's just not, it's like, I don't see it. It's like, I'm, I'm literally, I got my nose on it. Like, what are you? <laughs> like, I know um, I'm in frame. Go into preferences because it may not be seeing the camera. I don't know if you've checked that, but come yeah, on. I've, I've, I've gone and switched the camera. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, Camo to me is a is a good tool. Uh, I do need to provide, and I'm going to try it out on Windows also. I got to reinstall Parallels. I think I said that already. That's almost not fair. What's that? If it, if if it doesn't work, that's almost not fair. You'd have, I mean, to, have to try it, it on a Windows machine. Yeah, if it well, if it doesn't work in Parallels, like I'm not going to be like, oh, well, it's broken. Like what yeah. I'm checking for is, does it load? Uh, can it oh, come up oh. and can like do all the extent? Like, does it go through whatever the install process for Windows would be? Mm-hmm. And if it gets through all of that, you know, what's the accessibility? But, like, no, if I try to run it and, like, uh, what did I try to run? Like, when I tried to run RIM, RIM's beta in the Windows <laughs> virtual environment, I'm not going to ding RIM because that, nope. that, like, it just froze up everything. Because, you know what? I'm running it in a virtual machine. Like, we're, we're not even. I'm, I'm not well, and even, it's beta. Everything's beta. Well, well is, uh, that one is, wasn't. Well, it, it, the rim was beta, but also too like the the layers of complexity there. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not gonna be like, oh, well, rim is crap on Windows because blah blah blah. <laughs> right? No, it's like I was trying to run on a virtual machine. Same same with anything that I try out that is a application install that I try to install on on Windows uh, that gets into the lower level of hooking into the OS. Right? Like Edge absolutely should work. You know, Chrome should work. Uh, One Password should work in Windows. Something like Camo Studio or even Virtual Audio Cable or something like that. Like, if that doesn't work mm. in a virtual environment, like, 
my assumption is going to be it's the virtual environment. Now, if it installs and then its interface is just not accessible, then that's a different thing, right? But uh, I'm go I'm gonna try I'm gonna I'm going to try Camo in Windows just because I haven't had an opportunity to to ever run it inside of a Windows environment uh, to see what the accessibility is like there. But I do think Camo generally is a pretty good tool. It is forty dollars a month. Do I have a new five dollar a month plan if you just want to go monthly? So if you don't need it all the time, but you occasionally need it and you don't want their watermark on your stuff, uh, that is available. Forty. That's what I want. I want forty forty dollars a year. No, nah, man, you do AMI every Monday. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh uh, no, I I just want their watermark gone. What what do I got to pay to get their watermark gone to use it? Because I, I, I don't think AMI gone. would be too happy with the watermark in there. That's why I've yeah. never really actually tested it on air. Okay, so five bucks. If you just want to try it out to see if it's going to actually work, pay them five bucks and use yeah. it for a month. Uh, just to make sure that like, hey, everything is going to rock the way you expect it to. Yeah. But yeah. after that, what I would do is either pay for the annual license, uh, which is a subscription at forty bucks. I would honestly, because you're going to end up doing more and more video stuff. Uh, if you like it and it works, just give them eighty bucks and be done. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Because that's what I did. Like I used it for a couple of for like a month or so or, or whatever, just just tinkering with it and doing you know random Zoom meetings where I would you know now appear on video where I normally <laughs> wouldn't, and you know I looked great and my iPhone was better than everybody else's crappy you know laptop webcam. You know, hey, and I was like, you know, this is really going to be a useful tool. I could foresee they have not done this, and I have no, I have no information that would lead me to think they're going to do this. But just looking at where we were two years ago when I bought this, I was like, I could foresee, you know, I was like, $40 a year, I don't know if I want to keep doing that. Like, that's, 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 because I'll, I'll start <laughs> to question, like, year three, do I really want to give them another 40 bucks? I was like, oh, $79 in this lifetime. Like, huh, I can see could, myself paying for it two years. I could see. Well, what I really was thinking is like I could foresee that price, right? Because I kind of hate subscriptions. Like I don't hate them. But if somebody offers me a lifetime license for something and it's a price that I can afford and I think I'm going to continue to use this software, I will go pay that first. And mm -hmm. I was like, I could foresee this lifetime price going up over time as more and more people get aware of this because we've seen that happen right something starts out at this price and it's great and then next thing you know is like doubled in price because <laughs> they all of a sudden got yes. super popular and then had to hire more support people because they were now super i was like you know I'll give you 80 bucks right done with it because that push, in. push come to shove and, and keep in mind too at that time like i was on a mac mini so i did not have any sort of webcam solution whatsoever uh I may have thought a little differently if I was, you know, had a laptop at the time. I was like, oh, well, you know, the webcam, everybody else is using their webcam. But I'm going to be honest, same reason I show up with my microphone and my, my uh, Bowcaster when I'm in Zoom uh, instead of just using the AirPods or something. Because I want to sound better and I want to look better. So, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Now, I'm going to download this and we're going to play with it and we're going to follow up on it. We're going to have a way to keep track of these follow-up ideas because I don't even remember the earlier one that I thought of, but since I edit it, we'll have come up you, with an idea by the time I edit you, it. You, you never actually said what we need to follow up oh, on. You're just like, okay. we need to figure out a way to deal with the follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we need to follow up with then. Is follow-up. Um, yes. We got a way to follow up on things. Because uh, I'm going to try camo out 
And now, oh, so if you listen to last week's episode, you know that if you didn't ha- listen to last week's episode, why not? Just just yeah. go back and listen to it, and it might give you a hint we'll on you. some of the apps that Demasi uses. We'll, we'll wait for you to come back before we finish this part of the conversation. If you want to go listen to last week, last week's episode. Actually, you should listen to all of them, and then you probably will have the five answers you need to get a free <laughs> license to Mac GPT. Yeah, so if you want to save some money and get oh, that, then go listen not to Mac it. GPT, Mac Whisper. Uh, with, yeah, Mac Whisper. By the way, I am looking at this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to come back to what, what I think you were about to talk about, but I, I want to share something about Mac Whisper and the reason that you kind of want this pro license too. So one, you want to support the guy because I mean, you know, honestly, the license is like 17 bucks. Uh, it's accessible. I reached out to him and he was like, yeah, I had, I had a person that was vision impaired uh, when I, you know, on the original beta of this, which I had never heard of this app. Uh, when he's like, I had a person that was vision impaired that was that, you know, gave him feedback as he was developing the app. So he's like, you know, if you have any other ideas or run into any issues, uh, let me know. So he's definitely open to feedback. But a new feature that I saw yesterday, I didn't know it was there until yesterday. And I'm looking at the transcript now uh, from this. So right now, or as it stood when I got the app, you could um, drag a file or open up a file, uh, audio file in Mac Whisper, and it would, you know, start a transcription. Or there was a microphone button where you could record into Mac Whisper. Now, one piece of feedback I need to send him is that, like, it would be great if I could pick what that input device was going to be for my microphone. But what I saw yesterday was um, record an app's audio. And I was like, oh, this is what I wanted to do anyway. Because this means I don't have to go pay for Otter AI and Zoom if I want to capture Zoom audio and then turn that into a transcript. It also means I don't have to wait until I'm done recording the Zoom meeting and then drop the Zoom audio in here. So I set that up in a Zoom meeting that I was running. Uh, Desiree was running Otter AI, and I was running this. <laughs> so Is uh, mine going to do better than yours? <laughs> well, you know, my thing was like, hey, is this going to actually come out way better than or, – or, so I'm looking at this transcript. Now, I think one problem that I may have run into is I don't think it actually got Desiree's audio out of Zoom, but that could have been because of some weird way. And this is before I wiped the computer. Could have been some weird way I was routing Zoom's audio. Yeah. Oh, I do actually know why I probably Because you were capturing Zoom, Zoom and not audio I was hijack. Cap- I was capturing Zoom from Mac Whisper, but Zoom's audio was being... Uh, um, yanked by a loopback device ah so that could be why i didn't think about that because i have zoom typically well i had zoom set up to go to one ear so i was rerouting zoom's audio actually i didn't have a virtual device i just went into sound source and sent it to my left ears where i had zoom going that's where i sent most voip app so that is probably why i did not get her audio and i didn't consider that when i was setting this up hey that's a quick tip demasi that's a quick tip so yeah. create two virtual devices. Name one of them left ear. Name one of them right ear, or whatever makes sense for you. Yeah. And just make them pass through devices, which means when you create them and name them, they're already set up to do what you need them to do. And then, then when you're in a situation, and I started doing this because of um, uh, working for JJ at AT guys, 
where I wanted to be able to hear the screen reader in one ear and hear the caller from Zoom, not Zoom, uh, Zendesk in the other ear. So I started splitting audio. And for me, I just grabbed SoundSource and I can just redirect any, any app's audio to my left ear or to my right ear very quickly uh, on the fly and then switch it back when I don't need it to be that way. So, yeah, there's a quick tip. I'll tell you where what made me actually really start to think about that too. Uh, I know some oh, yeah. people that have worked in call center for a while, you know, are used to doing that sort of deal. That's kind of how it works for a lot of people. For me, what did it for me? So I can't find the audio. Because I, I told Mike I bought a thing, and I ended up sending it back, but I bought a thing, and I was going to tell him about it when we started recording this show. I cannot find the audio. I know that it's somewhere in a backup, but I probably didn't name it properly, and I just not, I don't really want to look for it. It's not that important. I'm not critical. I wanted Mike to hear the, hear the recording I did. So back in, like, October-ish, I picked up from Sweetwater the sound device. That, wait, I'm going to wait for Mike. Oh, no, you're good. Oh, okay. I thought I heard Ben coming in. Yeah, Ben you. came and I nodded at him. Oh, okay. See, that's the advantage of, of sighted people. I don't know if I want to get in that or go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, blind people, we do the, you know, you know, develop the tapping thing, right? Like if I, if, if we were in that scenario, I could walk in and, and, you know, say something and then you could, you know, tap me once. And it's like, yeah. Yep. Yep. You know? so yep. There's yep. that. Yeah. We come up with ways of getting around this too. It's just when you have a blind person who does not, okay, that, path i probably shouldn't go down so <laughs> anyway back around october i picked up from uh sweetwater the sound devices usb pre-2 uh, audio interface stupid expensive crazy expensive it's like 1100 dollars now but i had to see what it looked like uh and of course sweetwater had to pay me plans or whatever blah 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 now no joke when i started when I went and ordered this from Sweetwater, I had every intention of keeping it. Like, I was not planning on, like, with the vocation, where I'm going to get this, figure out, you know, what's going on with it for these Mac people, and then send it back. Uh, I really had every intention of keeping it. And I was going to still wait and spring it on. I think when I told Mike about it, I was like, I bought a thing, but I'm not going to tell you about it until I get on the show. So Mike doesn't even know that I sent it back because he never knew I bought it. Uh, so I tried it out. And I actually really like the build quality of it. Like, it is a really solid little rectangular box. Like, it's, it's small, compact, very easy to throw in a bag. But it feels like a, when they say it's built like a tank, it is built like a tank. Um, the button, the knobs for adjusting, you know, your gain and stuff like that, volume knobs, all of that, they are very, they feel very good when you turn them, but they're not free spinning, if that makes sense. So, like, there's very little chance that you would accidentally bump your, your gain knob and, blow your eardrums out or something uh two xlr inputs uh a aux input so the rca jack and then uh two quarter inch inputs and you can switch which you know which which one is active for which channel uh so you know your channel one can be active on xlr or the uh other inputs same for channel two just two channels though output it has a lot of different output options outside of usb um i really liked it uh it, it was comfortable to use. Uh, it felt high quality. It made me feel like a professional. The reason I sent it back, though, is because to do things like turn on phantom power for a channel or 
uh, adjust the routing that you want. So you, you had the ability to kind of adjust what you heard in your headphones, like mix and, and what got sent back. And there was kind of like a virtual loop back situation there inside of the device. But all of that was dependent on you turning, flipping dip switches, manipulating dip switches. Uh, and they were recessed into the back of the thing or whatever. I could not reliably move those switches. So for the Dugs in the audience, because I don't know how how mechanically inclined of building things Michael is, uh, I think Mike's kind of where I'm at. So I wasn't not really re- sure. Not what very. The, <laughs> I'm not, right. Like, I wasn't really sure what a dip switch was until I got this thing. And I was like, oh, okay, I do recall seeing these before. Like, I know what they are now. Uh, I didn't know it's what you called them. But for the Dugs out there, you probably know why I had a problem. Because, one, they were not flush like with the body of the case and they were like really recessed inside of the back of the case there was a whole water cover thing that you had to open up to get to them anyway and it's not a thing you would be constantly doing like you know constantly flipping the switches or whatever but for me my problem was if i'm traveling or if i'm using this interface and let's say i want to change my routing you know i know how to change the routing but i need to flip you know switch seven on row b in order to accomplish (laughs) what i need to accomplish while I know how to do it, I cannot reliably feel this because you got to use some kind of little tool to reach in there and like uh, move the switch, right? Yeah, if you could I, feel it, it would be a totally different yeah, story. They like were, that, that would be awesome. Yeah, I was like, <sighs> like I thought about it. And I really thought about it. I was like, the problem is that I'm going to run into is that I'm going to need to do a thing one day, or I'm going to have had it configured this way, and I really need it to be configured that way right now. And not only am I not going to be able to manipulate the switches, but even if I have eyeballs around, it's not a thing that is like. You have to kind of understand what you're looking at before you can do anything about what I'm telling you to do. It's not like, yeah. oh, look for this button that says accept and click it with right. the mouse, right? right? It's like, you need to look at this switch and make sure you're looking at the right switch on the right road to do this thing. So I'll send it back. Now, is there a tool that the manufacturer could possibly build that would make buttons that could tactically tactfully manipulate those dip switches i wonder that could be added to the device and if there is we can use this part of the transcript that i'm going to use of the show that i'm recording with mac whisper using audio hijack so we'll see if that works (laughs) and create a email using chat gpt to the manufacturer to say hey here's the issue that Demasi had on technically working, if you want to hear it, then go listen to it. But we'd really like it if there was a way that someone could make this accessible. So, because uh, I really like the concept of dipstick. So, yeah, I, and I I liked it. I liked the concept of it. I liked the build quality of that interface. Um, but to get back around to the point, so yeah, absolutely, we can send an email. I had not thought about it in a while. I wasn't using mm-hmm. ChatGPT at the time yep. that I had this, or I would have used it to generate an email, but that is a great idea, because I did think about, like, if I could just, and I even thought about, like, I wonder if I could take it somewhere and have somebody, like, put just, like, some little small rubberized type levers on the end so I could feel them. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, See my prior comment. Do not buy or do not keep an expensive, especially a purchase that expensive, based off what you might be able to get it to do. Now, uh, if the manufacturer wants to send him one to see if he can find someone to build it, he'd be delighted to accept that. Absolutely. 
Or if they want to come up with a solution and send it to me, like I would pay uh-huh. for it, like le- yeah. legitimately pay for it if there was a reliable way to do that. But that's one of those situations where like everything else about it was great. Now, the reason I brought that whole thing up, Mike did not know I bought that thing because uh, I've been talking about it. Like, Man, it's cost so much money. I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's do this thing. All right. <laughs> but out of the box when you hook it up, uh, and there was no software or anything like that for it, out of the box when you hook it up, though, it puts your monitoring in your left ear Oh, and the audio that's coming through it in your right ear. That's what started me down that path. I was like, this is, I wouldn't have chosen to do that prior, but I was like, Mm -hmm. actually having my monitoring in just one ear is good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I like monitoring in both ears with my current setup with NVDA or JAWS in my left ear and VOIP or all other window cells sounds in the right ear. And that's when I'm in parallels. And then when we're using voiceover on the Mac, it's in stereo. So I hear it in both channels. Um, where I was going with this too, to get back to that was last week, Demasi had a very abrupt ending to the episode. Uh, for example, he was talking about network, and I told Demasi when when I published, it, I said, "Hey, this is what happened. Got to last minute, procrastinated, but I still wanted content to be published." And I think there was like sixty one minutes or fifty eight minutes. I don't even remember how long of content there was. And so it wasn't like you know you're missing a lot. You only missed it was fifty two minutes, and I think there was four minutes left. And to be honest, uh, the last part of the setup of that event was me letting Demasi know that I overbooked someone and I needed to jump out. So when I couldn't find the recording, I thought it was really weird because as you might remember from earlier in the episode, if I hit VO zero anytime, it takes me to the save all files together. Well, it's supposed to, but ironically enough right now, it's not working. I'm going to have to, f- Oh, there it goes. Are, are you, so, I was gonna say, are you already in that window though? Yep. Yeah. That's what it was. I was actually on the button. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm like, I know I would have saved it. I don't understand what happened. A couple of days later, I actually found it. And so I told Demasi, I'm going to go fix that. Well, I never did. And I said, hey, we're talking about a membership thing. And maybe that could be, you know, the missing episode, the missing rest of episode six of technically working could be the first thing you get or. Or it could be a freebie that we give you. So what I recommend is get on the mailing list. Demasi mentions the mailing list uh, at the end of the show typically. Get on that mailing list because one of these Sundays, I'm going to mention that. Uh, they change up a little bit, but since we've been consistent with it, we're going to mention maybe some some beta tests, some entry. Hey, you want to try something out for us? And we also want to get your feedback. So stay tuned to that um and there's additional content maybe we'll see how the audio hijack stuff came out maybe if you didn't hear us start the episode with audio hijack i cl- uh talking about audio hijack maybe i clipped it out and you'll get it in a exclusive library yep and now apparently they're cutting lawn outside so we should probably wrap it up <laughs> man i was so happy my guy came and did the lawn this morning like he, he was done by like 11 45 i was like all right man you did that right, perfect timing <laughs> perfect timing if i wasn't setting up a computer again i would have been able to you know, jump in at 12 and start recording <laughs> so as a reminder for everyone technically working is published every monday stay subscribed and you'll get each episode occasionally michael may drop some interesting bits into the feed we are on 
Mastodon. Best way to find us there is go to michael.yourownpay.com and that will redirect you to where Michael happens to be on Mastodon. And you can find me at demasi.yourownpay.com and that will redirect you to where I am on Mastodon. And the reason we set those up, because somebody did ask me this question, is because Mastodon, you're able to move servers. So where I am today or where Michael is today may not be where we're at in six months, but those links will always reliably redirect you to the appropriate Mastodon instance. And you'll know officially that it's us because I haven't done anything to verify anything about anything. So, you know, there's that. Uh, there's not a show account up anywhere yet. I'm still debating on whether or not we even want to do that. Uh, I don't see a value in it right now because things are I so mean, mixed up. Yeah. At the moment. Uh, I may explore some LinkedIn stuff because I will be spending time on LinkedIn in the coming week. Uh, as a piece of advice given to me by a uh, friend of the show, Desiree, as I work on this new project, which I'll mention now, there's a CRM coming that I am building, uh, putting together. Go to yourownpay.com slash TW. Opt into the mailing list, and there will be a box there for you to check. One, you should just opt into the mailing list so you get Michael's newsletter anyway. But if you're interested in the CRM product because you're a small business owner and you need a CRM, especially if you're concerned about accessibility or security of your CRM, Mm -hmm. uh, check that box, and that will put you on a special list that when beta testing, so... And when I say beta testing here, like the software is solid. I, I didn't, you know, that that's, that's not the problem. What we're doing is like early adopter, I think, may be a better yeah, way of looking at it. As better. I work on scaling this up and, and getting all the processes in place, uh, your data would be secure. All of that is straight. It's just the processes that need to get ironed out and maybe some questions that people may have to make the situation better. If you're interested at all in that, uh, definitely go sign up on the newsletter. Whether or not you want to get into the early adopter, I still suggest you go sign up for the newsletter uh, because you'll also get notified when uh, it's live for everybody yeah. to sign up. And there may be yeah. special pricing for people who listen to Technically Working. Just saying. Man. <laughs> but otherwise, uh, go to yourownpay.com slash support if you want to uh, donate a little money towards the show. I mean, we do have costs associated with doing this. And... As we continue buying applications, technology, hardware that we're trying to use to make our business better, uh, you know, any little bit that you throw our way helps out with that. Or in Michael's case, you're just buying Mallory some shoes, but it's okay. (laughs) Hey, she hasn't bought as many shoes. She got one pair in the last three months. I'm kind of proud of her. (laughs) You ain't seen that one box that came because you wasn't there. I'm sorry. I can't hear you, Demasi. I think clean feet isn't clean anymore. This oh. Mac Whisper's taking all my processes. Uh, oh, man. You know, that Mac Whisper kind of makes me want to get an M2 uh, <laughs> Mini Pro now, though, uh, with, with all those yes. cores. It's like, man, yes. this could really tear through some stuff. I'm going to share this transcript with you, Mike, from uh, Mac Whisper uh, okay. that I got out of Zoom. We'll see how this goes. I'm going to do some more tweaking with this. I got to get that reinstalled, too. But, uh, yeah. Stay tuned. We will be back. If you have feedback or questions, send an email to tw at yourownpay.com. And uh, as soon as I set up email, we'll better now. <laughs> <laughs> Mike will get your email. My email will be set up today, too. And uh, I got to get Parallels reset up. So any questions about running Mac on Windows? Any questions? I mean, nope. Don't have any answers for you about that one. 
if you have any questions about running Windows on the Mac, we are here for you. We're willing to test things out. Uh, as well as, you know, more content to come from us on the benefits that I am finding and that Michael is finding in having the ability to run multiple operating systems, including a virtualized Mac OS. Your own pay.com slash TW. 